especially when you have your first session it's like you forget everything yeah yeah the mind goes completely blank and you're like what is everything that i learned the theories the models like what am i supposed to say to you now to be mm -hmm. able to every single kid every single family is different mm -hmm. in their personality in the family that they have now My name is Jasmine Naomi, and I'm your host here on the Solely Human Podcast. I am a clinical therapist here in Southern California, and on Solely Human, we talk together about how we have uh, similar and different human experiences, but we also acknowledge that we are soul, and our soul is what connects us to uh, the universe around us, the people around us, and ourselves. So today I have a very special guest on today, my friend Danny. Danny, say <laughs> hi to everyone. Uh, Hello. Danny, uh, it's really cool because we graduated from our bachelor's of social work program together mm -hmm. and from our master's of social we work did. program. Yeah, so we did. we did the whole process together and now we are both mm -hmm. um, mental health professionals. But mm -hmm. um, I want you to introduce yourself to everyone and in telling us who you are, don't tell us your job description. Don't tell us what you do for work <laughs> okay. and then tell us who you are. So um, full name, Dan Jarel, but I go by Danny for short. Um, I've actually known Jasmine for quite some time now, 10 years in two years, so eight years now, which... That's a trip. That's that's a long time. I've never heard the numbers put like that. So. <laughs> long, long time. So such an honor to be here and to be part of everything that you're doing. I think it's a voice for a lot of people that might need to hear it or people that might be going through different journeys and so so good to be here in short um how i consider like a description of myself without my job title correct who are you without using your job as a way to describe yourself okay so who are you who is danny i th the biggest word that's like coming to my mind right now would have to be just extremely passionate mm. I feel like I've grown a lot. So I'm very, I'm a huge, how can I say this? Um, supporter of journey and growth throughout years. I don't even know how to say that in a way that makes sense. I but think that works. Yeah. Supporter of like growth and, and ind individual journey. I love, ooh, I love dancing. I'm not a dancer, but I love dancing. I do. Um, something that I've been passionate about for a long time. Um, outside of that, I do love nature. I do love to go outside. I think that is the biggest thing that connects us to everyone and everything. Um, and I love being there for family, friends, community. Um, okay. That's, Small but long description. <laughs> no, but I love that. I think if I when I think of you, those are definitely the things I think of. So mm. I like that. Danny, I have had a lot of like healers come on here, you know, in their different mm. professions, but you are the first clinical therapist yeah. to come on. So wow. <laughs> I know, isn't that cool? I did not know that. Yeah, you're the first therapist to come mm. on. I've had um a lot of friends come on, but mm. they are healers in different ways. So right haven't had a therapist come on here. So 
in conjunction with all those beautiful soul filling things that you are, Danny is also a therapist. Yes. Let's go. Also a social worker that practices yes. therapy. Yes, yes, yes. So I I wanted you to come on because I feel like we learn a lot in school. We're taught a lot of things in school. Mm-hmm. And then you actually start working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you thought. You thought you knew everything. You thought you, got you were ready point. and yeah. then you got here. So yeah. tell me, um, you've been working a little longer than I have. So you're going on, what, three and a half-ish years, four years of like just post-school mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually want to start with this because I don't think, or maybe you do know, or maybe you don't remember, but I feel like the whole reason why I even started social work in the first place is because oh. of you. Have I told you this? I remember this conversation <laughs> a very long time ago. Please tell us yes, how you, yes, how yes, you yes. chose so social work. I, I've been wanting to be a counselor of sorts for a very long time um found quote-unquote like my calling or where I felt comfortable in high school and took like intro to psych classes um and I loved it and I was like this is what I want to do and so I started college here Mm -hmm. um as a psych major and I was Mm -hmm. like this is where I'm at this is what I want to do and nothing nothing to you know bad people that do start with psychology and stay within that world I just felt like there wasn't the community aspect and the wholeness that social work or, or social work brings you. Mm-hmm. And so I remember I had befriended you mm-hmm. and I told you that I felt like I really liked my psych classes, but I wasn't fully like, I felt like there was something missing. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I was missing the humanity and like the humane mm-hmm. part of it. Um, Maybe other psychologists might argue with me, but that was just my experience in the classes that I was taking. Yeah. Um, It was a lot about like understanding human behavior, but not really like fully connecting with it. And I felt like that was the biggest. And so I remember talking to you about this and you're like, you should just take an intro to social work class and see mm-hmm. how that goes. And I did. And here I am. And, you are <laughs> and here I am. So it's that definitely like changed my life. And I managed to like fully put myself into this work. Um, when I, after I graduated from my bachelor's I don't think we planned to do the same exact we did program it. and it just happened it just worked out yeah it just happened to be that same exact way and so I am very grateful of where I am today I feel like the things that we get taught in school allow us to sort of prepare us for mm-hmm. the real world which is connecting mm-hmm. to your original question I just yes remembered um I just feel like when you are with real clients, with real issues and problems that they're going through, your life changes in the way that you see people also changes a lot. And so, I don't know. I don't think I was fully prepared to, because we're talking about treatment into practice or just. Yeah, well, just kind of your experience. So getting here, being at working as a therapist, just your thoughts and experience up to this point. Yeah. Okay. So I, like I said, I feel like there was a lot of things that I learned throughout our programs. And I feel like our bachelors did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Like our, the program oh, that, yeah. that we went through did a pretty good job in allowing us to explore a lot of those things and like connect with the community in the way that we did. Um, and obviously with our master's, we got those opportunities as well. Um, and I'm very grateful for them. If anyone of <laughs> you ever watch this, by the way, um, I just feel, and maybe every therapist feels that way, right? Yeah. But once you're out there in the field, a lot of the things that 
especially when you have your first session, it's like you forget everything. Yeah, like, yeah. Your mind goes completely blank and you're like, what is everything that I learned? The theories, the models, like what am I supposed to say to you now to be mm -hmm. able to make mm -hmm. you feel comfortable? So um, at the very beginning, even though I felt prepared, there were times that the word like competent would come into my mind mm -hmm. and I wouldn't feel fully competent in being the spaces mm -hmm. that I was um, or that I, yeah, that I was in. And I think over time it has developed and to this day is obviously something that I feel like as therapists, we still try to develop and work with. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. I think the nervousness and the having to carry someone's life could, or in my mind, right? It was sometimes a lot of pressure. Yeah. No, I still feel like it's a lot of pressure sometimes, but mm -hmm. you know, I'm able to think of like okay, I'm not technically doing this by myself. Like I have support in place. It's mm -hmm. kind of just, you know, it, mm -hmm. it is a big responsibility. I think that both of our programs, I'm, you know, the emotional distress was real, but that's just, <laughs> that's, yes. just that's just school sometimes, you know? Then the pandemic hit, girl. That's true. I, to this day, am so thankful that happened our last quarter because mm -hmm. to have done more than that in that online learning. Happened. Oh no. There's yeah, there's gonna be too Dude, much. That was crazy. That was crazy. That was really crazy. I remember they were like, Oh, we're still gonna have class and we're like, oh, I don't know about that. I was just stressing out because our um internships were very much you had to be, be there a person there was mm -hmm. no way you couldn't do our mm -hmm. internships without being there. And so at that point I don't think at least with the space that I was in, it was the county and i don't think they had that figured out yet there was no source of telehealth no. happening yeah. um so it was it was it was, it was wild bad. that was wild yeah. but yeah i definitely feel that they they prepared us really well it's just nothing compares and i'm sure a lot of professionals can relate in general but nothing really prepares you for when you're in it and doing it mm -hmm. like getting my caseload i remember i was like ah uh, i remember like having to call a parent for the first time i was like what do i say i'm not ready <laughs> what do i say so uh, but now yeah. being here and I mean all the time, therapy guys is like a very broad term. Mm, there is so many things under that, so many different types of therapy for different mm -hmm. diagnoses, just a whole bunch of different worlds. So mm. I think that, you know, one of the first things I want us to talk about is kind of like putting our treatment or putting our theory into practice and what that looks like for you and how that feels for you uh, up to this point. Well, and why don't you tell us a little bit of the population that you work with right now? Okay. So um, do you want me to also go into what I've worked with or just current? Both. Go okay. for it. Um, I guess as soon as I graduated from our master's, I went into, I don't know if you remember this, but I started with the suicide hotline. Mm -hmm. That was insane for all those people that counselors are still working on the hotline. Like I, I have a special place for you guys in my heart because I know what that's like. And it was a lot of pressure and mm -hmm. I felt like I was in survival mode every single time. Mm -hmm. um, just because some of these, some people call just for comfort. Others call because they're actually about to kill themselves and like yeah. there's a crisis. And so yeah. um I found out that was just not the work for me. So I stayed there for like, what, like four months. And after that, I got, I landed my first job as a therapist. Because when you're in the hotline, you're just a counselor and you refer people right mm -hmm. to therapy um, within their area. And so after that, I started working for a GMH program, which was for adults and older adults. 
And that was a very different experience than the one I'm currently going through right now um, because I do work for a program that is specifically for children and teenagers. Sometimes I can get young adults every now and then, but not pretty common. And with the population that I am working right now, um, I've tapped into a lot of like eating disorder treatment, which I haven't experienced in the past. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like that has challenged me and pushed me to be like a better clinician and grow in areas that I didn't have a, no- a lot of knowledge in. Yeah. And so um, specifically with the models that we are in- not suggested or advised to go through when we're treating these specific eating disorders. But I feel like when it came to treatment and to applying, there were a lot of humane aspects that we were taught in school that once we actually were out in the field, I don't think you're ever able to fully embrace those until you're right there Mm -hmm. in the moment, especially with kids. I don't know. Um, The type of work that I do is it's community based. So, you know, I go to home schools and stuff like that to provide services, which I think it's a very different dynamic than being in an office. They both have their pros and cons. Right. Um, And so right now, I think working with the families has been the biggest thing that I felt that has been such a difference from like reading it in a book. And I know all the things that I'm supposed to do with their Mm -hmm. kids and their families. But when it comes down to it, I feel like me connecting to my human side and putting and really trying to, you know, empathize and put myself in their shoes has been my biggest Um or would be my biggest advice to anyone out in the field Mm -hmm. besides all the treatment modalities and family systems and CBT or any other things that you've been trained in, because at the end of the day, that's really what they're yearning and looking for that like human connection and Mm -hmm. trying to sort out trauma or past events. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's been a, a whirlwind of difference. I think the cool thing about social work that I love and you know constantly get to utilize is just mm-hmm. kind of what you mentioned like the humane aspect of it we're just considering a bunch of different things so it's like yeah we can learn all these things and we can read these things but every single kid every single family is different mm-hmm. in their personality in the family that they mm-hmm. have now in their background in just it's just so cool no one is ever the same and so i think it's really special because at least the kids at the group home they you all also have work their with kids, yeah. <laughs> yes, I also work with kids. The kids at the group home, they just all have their own little personalities. And so mm. even though I have this modality of therapy or I understand how to use this intervention, each kid is gonna challenge me in a way where I'm gonna have to use it differently each yep. time. Yep. So it's like a puzzle. Mm-hmm. It's constantly changing. So it's it's fun and it requires a lot of energy exertion. Mm-hmm. But I think it's 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 really special. Yeah. And and I think they they review that or emphasize that when we're in school yeah, and you're learning. They do. Like, yes, this is theory, but like mm-hmm. individualize it to mm-hmm. whoever the person is. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel we don't really know what that looks like. That's you don't. You can't it's hard you can't describe mm-hmm. it. You, you just can't. have to do it. You, you have, have to, to learn go through, in it, through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And work with different kinds of people and personalities to be able to say, like, hey, this might actually mm-hmm. work or might not work. I'm still um, consider myself one of those therapists that I kind of, and I'm pretty sure you might be the same or might not, right? But I'm still 
in the learning process of trying to figure out which specific modality works for me, but because I've found that there are a lot of helpful things from different practices, I'm still gathering a little bit of here, a little bit of here, a little bit. I can't fully tell myself like I'm a CBT mm-hmm. therapist or yeah, I'm yeah, fully yeah. this or that. Um, just because I feel like there is a lot of really great things, some not so great. And so I try to take those good things and put them into practice with people. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. same. I have no idea what I want to specialize in. <laughs> specialize in, yeah. <laughs> I'm still in that process. Still I have in that no process. idea. Mm-hmm. There's just so many different options, so many different mm-hmm. ways to go. And they're all so cool. And you get to help so many different people in so many different ways. So I have no idea. <laughs> what is something you, mm-hmm. as a clinician, uh, maybe encourage with your clients, previous or current clients, that you don't do or are still trying to do for yourself? <laughs> this question always gets me because I feel like I, <laughs> I get this all the time. And I'm like, everything. <laughs> everything that I say. For myself, there's a lot of things. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm listening to myself sometimes in sessions with the kids. I'm like, Wow, I'm so wise. <laughs> Would I actually do this? I should really do this. I was talking to my kid the other day because mm-hmm. he was so upset about something tiny, but you know, to him was like the whole world. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is not something you have control of. Let's, do this. Let's practice the circle <laughs> of control real quick. <laughs> and I understand you're frustrated and I know mm-hmm. it's upsetting, but mm-hmm. it, you don't have control. And I'm like, if I could just <laughs> remind myself of this, which I try. So what is one or more than one of your things? Thing. Yeah. Um, I am a huge and like full self-disclosure. We've talked about this many times. I do struggle with anxiety and struggle with a lot of like inattention. And so I feel like a lot of the coping skills that I talk to my clients to practice and you're like, hey, the more you practice it, practice this the better it'll be for you, like for it to come. That's my biggest, in general, my biggest recommendation or advice to clients is you have to try a lot of different coping skills before you find the one that like works for you every single time. Because Mm -hmm. if you don't try, you won't be able to find something that you can connect with and be like, hey, this actually helps me to Mm -hmm. relax or ground myself. And so I feel like I am... I've identified something that does like coping skills that do work for me, but I don't practice them enough to be like, hey, this is like my go to every single time that does work for me. So I think that is out of all the things, that's the biggest thing that I'm still trying to work towards. And I have (laughs) I have like four or five like journals right next to my bed because I go through (laughs) phases where I'm like journaling every single day and then I don't journal for like three or four months. And then Mm -hmm. I'm like, yo. I've been slacking. I got to get back mm-hmm. into this. And so mm-hmm. um, it it also just makes me human, right? Therapists are also humans and yeah. we go through our own things and experiences. And so not that I am a hypocrite, but mm-hmm. I do try to practice what I preach to other people. Um, and I think I, as you know, we also deserve to have our own time with our own therapist to kind of work through a lot of those things. And so I would definitely say the whole like coping skills and truly taking care of myself by having someone to actually process a lot of these things with. Mm-hmm. Um, I currently don't have a therapist, but I used to have one. And mm-hmm. I've been telling myself for months now, I'm like, I need to get back into it, back mm-hmm. into it. And I haven't. It's it's been It's been quite some time. So I want to go back to that too. <laughs> so those would be yours 
Uh, same. I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't. I don't think it mm-hmm. makes you a hypocrite at all. It just makes you a human, like you said. Mm-hmm. You know, we all go through our own experiences. Uh, yeah, that made me think of a client. I had a client when I was working for Riverside County, an adult, and I. You know how we are with self-disclosure. Like sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's not. You know, it, mm-hmm. how we choose how we choose what information we give our clients about us mm-hmm. based on each client. So mm-hmm. I was talking to them about like a stressor in my life or something. I didn't trauma dump or anything. I was just expressing <laughs> I was, str- you know, upset. And they were like, are you good? And I was like, <laughs> oh, damn. I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm good. I'm good, you know. But and then we had a conversation about it. It's like we're human too, you know. Yeah. And I think the light or at least – when I think about my therapist, obviously I'm able to mm-hmm. think about, oh, she has – she has. A, I know she has a family. I know she mm-hmm. has her own life and stuff. But it's like the space that you hold for me is always mm. a very neutral, safe space. And so mm. I can see how clients would forget sometimes like we're just human too, you know? One recently asked me because we were talking about – I don't even remember what we were talking about. And they're like, you're married? Ah. I was like, yes, I'm allowed <laughs> to be married and have a life outside of – this, yeah. um, I don't think it surprised them because I'm young, because that's a huge factor. I feel like we both yeah. Yeah. still go through. But I think it was the fact that, like, yes, I like to go out to the movies. And, yes, yeah, yeah, I like yeah. to go, I don't know, camping and doing all these yeah. things yeah. Um, that I feel like sometimes they forget, especially working with kids sometimes. Oh, yeah. I feel like that might be. Yeah. Or even with adults. I had my experience a lot with adults. It happened a lot, too. I also think there's, like, an art to self-disclosure it's like a whole world in its own because i've definitely learned like these are the people i can actually Mm -hmm. share these things with and i know that if i were to share this with someone it might not be yeah to their best interest or benefit to them or to even like their own growth journey i don't know i think that was a really good way to put it being that it is an art in itself and that's for sure it's funny because kids being kids so i would say most of my kids right now between the ages of like 8 and 12, and then I have a few, like 13 to 15. Mm. But that age, <laughs> they just ask anything and everything all the time. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's it's funny. They crack me up. But I agree. In, uh, in talking about how we as therapists ourselves are also human and we mm-hmm. also go through seasons and sometimes we know how to take care of ourselves and we mm-hmm. don't do those things and we mm-hmm. kind of just navigate uh, as everyone is going through different things in our lives. So how would you say uh, up to this point you have experienced your own life events Mm -hmm. and still had to provide like healing spaces for our clients? Yes. Um, I think that's a lot of things come to mind because I feel like ever since we also (laughs) – just to for everyone that's here, we finished our program also within the pandemic, peak pandemic. Pandemic started March 2020. We graduated June 2020. Mm-hmm. And finding a job then was so difficult. I don't know if, if you remember that. And I felt like because within the world of therapy and because we both wanted to do the same thing, which yeah. was clinical work. Yeah. It looks very different from someone that graduates with an MSW and wants to do, I don't know, something different, which... Mm-hmm. 
by the way, with social work, you can do a lot of things. You can. <laughs> I feel so like that's a huge things. misconception when I tell people that my background is in social work. They're like, how are you, how are are you a therapist? therapist? I'm right. like, right. we can talk about this after. Yeah, but yeah. like going back to what I was, ooh, you're good. Going back to what I was saying, um, when that happened and I was trying to look for, for a job, I think at the very beginning, especially because you try not to get yourself in spaces of comparison or mm -hmm. other people have these things and try to be in the space of like gratefulness and this is what I have this is what I can work with mm -hmm. um especially when I first got that job as like a the suicide hotline mm -hmm. I don't know if I've ever told you this but the week before because I've I was looking prior to graduation and I had been looking everywhere and like no one I had applied to so many places and no one would pick me up I was literally a week away from starting an amazon job at a warehouse like mm. that's how desperate i got because at that point i wasn't living with my parents if i right. after my internship was done there was no more money flow like yeah. there was nothing that was going to happen afterwards and i was not about to put myself in a position where i'm like yeah i don't have anything to do i don't have a job i can't gain unemployment so i was Literally, Jasmine, a week before I started with the suicide hotline, I I rejected the Amazon job. I went to my interview. I went to go get everything for Amazon. And right before I started, um, I told him, you know what? So sorry. I actually got a job somewhere else where I felt like I was actually going to contribute like, sorry. to my career. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Um, because I felt so, I don't know, I felt so incompetent then. I felt like I was mm -hmm. getting a lot of rejection and with rejection comes growth right yeah. we know this it still um, sucks though it still sucks <laughs> it's it, a very it definitely place still sucks i think it hurts more when you do go through the process and don't ever hear back i'd rather you be actually cordial and tell me like hey you didn't actually get the job instead of like going through the process and then not getting anything or not hearing anything um so i think after that because at that point i wasn't necessarily a therapist right once i started um providing therapy i did go through difficult situations within myself and within my family that i felt like i didn't feel qualified to be able to do the work that i was supposed to because my mind and specifically my heart was always somewhere else and mm -hmm. distracted and i think the biggest thing that allowed me to get through those very difficult moments was connecting to and i don't know if this is gonna sound weird or but connecting to a younger version of myself mm. if that makes any sense um it makes a lot of sense yeah just so i could hold on to the hope and the i feel like when we're growing up or depending where you grow up right in your environment but I've always been, this is going to sound very corny too, but I've always dreamed of doing a lot of things. And like when I'm in the future, especially because I came into this country as a teenager, for those that don't know, I'm originally from Puerto Rico, came here. Um, very different experience from an immigrant family. We, as Puerto Ricans, we, we are citizens. And so we do get a lot of other blessings that I fully am aware of and privileged of having mm -hmm. when I came into this country. But there were still a lot of hardships through that which is a whole other yeah. story for another time and so even now as an adult when all of that was happening I tried to connect myself with that version of myself of wanting to look forward to the future and the things that I wanted to do and so 
that was the only thing that allowed me to at times be in spaces where I could connect with clients, especially because I work with clients mm -hmm. and because our program is sort of a crisis stabilization program. A lot of the kids that I do get are teenagers. As soon as they're out of the hospital, they come to us, we stabilize, we refer to long-term treatment. And so um, not just that, but also taking breaks, right? Mm -hmm. Also understanding like, yes, I want to connect to a younger self so I can be here fully present with you. But also, when is it time for me to walk away? Which is still something that I'm learning mm -hmm. a lot to do because I'm a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. And that also, at times, would kind of seep through for being there for clients, even though I was not okay with, with myself. And so, um, still learning how to put those boundaries, specific work boundaries, and be like, I actually can't be here today. My heart and mind are not fully here, mm -hmm. and I won't be able to provide the service if I am not okay. So mm -hmm. still learning how to do that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it sounds like tapping into little Danny yeah, to kind of get into a space for that, but then also taking breaks and then, like, learning the boundaries as you go. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, alone time also helped me a lot. I feel like the biggest way that I'm able to fully understand what I need is when I have my own time for myself, either what self-care actually looks like or having some sort of like spiritual connection to God, higher being, the whatever you see it as, um, was extremely important for me just because I personally gather a lot of hope from that connection to spirituality. And so... Mm -hmm. Without that, I don't think I would have been able to also provide services um, just because that allowed me to also hold on to hope when sometimes I felt like I had none. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. The, <clears throat> the space that you were in kind of at the beginning of the journey where you weren't, you didn't think you were able or capable of doing the work that you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Whereas now being in a space where it kind of sounds like you're aware of when your mind and heart aren't there, but there are things that you do to kind of ground yourself in mm -hmm. a place where you are able to like provide healing spaces. Uh, what was it that helped you get to where you are now in the past few years of like learning that? Mm, I think support from family and friends and I have to also big give a huge shout out to my now husband Daniel mm -hmm. but then um like throughout the process when I was going through that stuff he was he went from being like my boyfriend to getting engaged into mm -hmm. us now being married um he was a big support in my life and he was there throughout the seasons with no questions and like what do you need whenever you need it and I don't I'd never felt like he was ever how do you say this in English when someone's like overwhelming you like they go into mm -hmm. your space all the time uh -huh. overbearing overbearing thank okay. you so much in my mind I'm like but I don't know how to say that. <laughs> no, 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 don't say that. um he was never never that way had never been that way and I'm I'm so grateful that to have a partner like that and besides having Daniel um I think throughout journeys and throughout different experiences that I've had 
because that was your question, right? What has led me from there to now? Mm-hmm. Um, other than the support of the family, Daniel, I think looking for things that truly like make you happy and that you fully enjoy, mm-hmm. whether that's something as small as going on a 10-minute walk every day that I used to do in my previous home and now in the space that I live now, um, I was so scared to go outside because I, I wasn't fully, I didn't know the community fully. So I had a stepper and every time during lunch, I would like use my stepper, but I tried to push and I was like, I need to get out of my comfort zone. And now I actually walk around my neighborhood when I do need mm-hmm. a break. Um, and so, and I think the biggest thing outside of that would be supportive supervisors. That has been a biggest blessing. Um, but going back to myself, I, I would say just finding small pleasures that you can kind of hold on to um that's where the whole matcha thing really started because we have a matcha lover in our midst everyone also yeah. a matcha lover we're actually drinking matcha today which she got I love. matcha thank you so much shout out to daily brew for our matcha my favorite matcha in the ie so <laughs> first time trying it and yeah. it's actually pretty bomb Yay. so thank I'm you so glad. much i'm glad you um it. yeah that's actually where this whole thing started and it was the one thing that i felt like i had for myself that i kept looking forward to to actually consuming and people people have asked me like why do you just just save it for wednesday why don't you have other days where you also like drink it and i do it's just i don't know wednesday is the one day of the week where it's like hump day and looking forward to this whether i buy it or i make it at home um just little joys here and there that i feel like i am able to yeah hold on to to continue going when I think it's funny that you talked a little bit of like the inner child. I think it's like inner child yeah. healing stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like we have these different versions of ourselves and at different times we needed different things. And sometimes at those times we didn't get certain things. And so as adults, that inner child healing, um, you feel it. And I think with working with kids, <clears throat> They drive me crazy. (laughs) They drive me crazy. And I think with the kids, they will push me to my limit. And the growth there is real because then when I do the same Mm -hmm. thing every single weekend and I work with them Mm -hmm. and we do the same things, Mm -hmm. it can get very discouraging. It can get Mm -hmm. very tiring. But – when I am like pushed to the max with my kid, either because they're literally talking crazy or behaviorally, they're just like, you know, really having a rough weekend. Uh, sometimes I'll think to myself at their age mm. and that will help. That yes. usually helps me. Yes. I'm like, okay, Jasmine, mm-hmm. if I was nine years old right now, what is it that, why would I be doing that? Or it kind of mm. just gives me like, some context and it it refuels some of the empathy that I feel like I lack sometimes and then I feel like a bad person for lacking Mm -hmm. empathy Mm -hmm. like when I get to the point where I'm pushed to the limit and I'm Mm -hmm. like really feel like I do not care Mm -hmm. and then I'm like I'm a horrible person for not caring (laughs) (laughs) I know but that's real that feeling is real Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. Uh, so it kind of I feel like restores some of the empathy there to kind of just happen to my inner child and remember, Mm. you know, I'm a kid and, Mm -hmm. you know, such and such. So 
I was talking with my supervisor about that a couple months ago, so mm. I like that you brought it up. Yeah, I feel like, and I don't know if we've talked about this, maybe we have, we haven't. Recently, I've discovered in books that I've read, I feel like a lot of the inner child work, I at least like to do one or two exercises without treatment because I've found it so healing and whenever you because everyone does have that inner child and they were hurt as a child i feel like everyone does have a story whether it's big or small um that we're still trying to get over or like still trying to heal or a lot of the things that we do is because that one time i couldn't be able to do this or they didn't provide this and so Mm -hmm. um i feel like a lot of our work whether you see it that way or not you're trying to provide comfort and support Mm -hmm. to that little person because We're all children. Yeah. Like when you fully yeah. think about it, we're, we're, we're adults, obviously. But a lot of the things that the way that we act and the way that we feel and the way that we um, communicate with other people is still very tied to the, the way that we grew up and the things that we experience. And so tapping into that, I feel like has allowed me and with, with the work that I've done with clients to really be able to like fully embrace mm-hmm. themselves. Um mm-hmm. And understanding, too, that we grow and the person that you were last year and I was last year was very different than the person that I am today, mm-hmm. right? And so understanding that because 10 years ago I made a terrible mistake doesn't mean that you're still that same person that made that mistake 10 years ago or even a year ago, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, yes, yes. And I think that is something that's huge when working with kids because as adults we make mistakes, too, And Mm. we learn from those mistakes. So I think that the the staff that I see, well, and let me backtrack. Mm -hmm. I definitely think that one of the reason I enjoy working with kids, even when (laughs) I feel like I'm losing it a little bit, is because I'm able to see when a kid is is doing something but is really asking for something else. Mm-hmm. And then I'm in a position to be able to give you that, you know, so that mm-hmm. you know what it feels like to feel safe, so that you know what it feels like to be validated, so mm-hmm. you know what it feels like to be cared about. And I really love that. I think that's really special. And I think that when I'm watching, like, the team and the staff, uh, the staff that I see that have the best relationships with the kids are those that are – kind of just genuine all the way through. So Mm. let's say they forget something or they mess up somehow. They're like, I'm sorry, dude, like that's on me, you know, Mm. such and such. They're just very genuine in their encounters with them. Mm. And it just feels good to me because it's a nice reminder that like even as adults, we're constantly growing. We're constantly learning. As therapists, we're constantly learning, constantly growing. And so that pressure that I feel sometimes in being a therapist, it's like, well, I'm a human first And Mm -hmm. that means that there's always going to be growth. Mm -hmm. And so I find comfort there. Mm. I feel, (laughs) red flag, when you meet someone and they feel like they've learned everything. Or I've really stepped away from using the word expert. I don't know. Were you there when we were having this conversation? I don't know if it was from a professor. Maybe it was from a supervisor of mine. I don't remember who told me this. I remember it was in grad school and someone told me, as soon as you call yourself an expert... You're done with oh. learning. Who was the person that told us that? I don't know, but I tell my students all the time, um, become an expert at not being an expert. Yes. And that was because yes. someone yes. told, told me that. Some, and I think we were either in the same room because I remember specifically learning this in, it, it in Daphne or Becky. I don't know. 
someone told me that one time and that just literally shifted everything because yeah. I feel like in our field, we hear a lot of like, this person's an expert in this or an expert yeah. in this, an expert in that. And so I've never wanted to step away from that role or that description of myself mm -hmm. more like, how do I word this? I've never wanted to not be that until I heard that. And I was like, oh my God, you're totally right. Once yeah. I'm an expert, I feel like that fountain of knowledge just kind of gets shut off because mm -hmm. you're like, I've learned it. I'm right. at the point where I've learned everything that I need to learn. Right. And this makes me an expert and I'm, I'm done. Yeah. So. And in reality, 100%. like you're so far from it. Like 100%. how you can't, there's, you're always going to be learning, mm -hmm. especially, especially when you're working with humans, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, it's, everyone is going to be different. And so, yeah, uh, that's funny. That's going to bother me. That's okay. That's okay. I have a quick question because we did talk about me, but I'm actually curious. Yeah. Um, what was, or what is the one thing that you felt that has helped you when you've been in moments of extreme difficulty, sadness, um, when I'm roughing it out, roughing it out and you've had to show up the next day and be like, yeah, I've done that. I'm sure you've done it on the way to work too. I'm like in the car in the parking lot before after, a session. During. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've had a lot of moments like that. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I mean, I think one of the biggest things just even in the past few years is like whatever I'm in to like be in it. I mm. was avoidant for a really long time. So mm. I was like, ah, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, I'm actually really not fine. So definitely like being in it. Uh, I think my spirituality also has been like really mm. big. And when that wasn't there or I thought it wasn't there, uh, taking time to be outside because even that mm. is, like, a big part of my spirituality. So when I thought I didn't have, like, faith or I was disconnected, um, mm. even being outside is kind of what would, like, mm. replenish me. But I think what's helped more in the past, like, couple years is how I talk to myself. That makes a big difference. Mm. Like, how I speak to myself when I'm going through it. Being nice to myself and literally being like, all right, Jasmine, you're having a really rough day but this is just one day and it's okay. You mm -hmm. can be sad. Uh, just being patient with myself and being nice to myself because uh, I, I, there's always like days where you just don't want to go to work, you know, and mm -hmm. because whatever you're going through, it's like feels really heavy that day. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's what's done. It Are there me. any words that feel like hugs? Words that feel mm -hmm. like hugs? That's a good question. Um, words that feel like hugs, like a warm embrace. Yeah, like every time you hear it, you're like, oh, yes. Maybe not words like like phrases. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Word sentences, paragraphs. Okay. Um, <laughs> you got this. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you're still awesome. This is normal. Normalizing, I love that. Yes, this is normal. <laughs> um, yeah, what are your what are your words that feel like hugs? 
So I didn't mean to get like super deep. I just like the question came into my mind and I'm like. I have never heard that question asked like that. So this, mm. this I love that question, honestly. I don't know. I, I, I feel like sometimes we tell ourselves that, tell ourselves things that do feel that way, but then also hearing it from someone. Mm-hmm. Or you know how sometimes you hear the word for the first time when someone first tells you I love you? Yeah. And you're like, oh. Yeah. Like, it has like this physical yeah reaction i feel like there are other things that we hear from other people or even tell ourselves that you're like wow this feels mm-hmm. um i don't know the words i see you or being seen for some reason always gets me and i know it's like super corny but no but i was gonna say i am so proud of you or i'm proud of you or yes. i see you mm-hmm. um i feel like always and even when i tell them to even me saying them to people i feel like sometimes you don't hear it as often Mm -hmm. because that allows you to be like hey i decided to share this like huge thing with you Mm -hmm. and instead of you telling me like oh i'm sorry or or i'm trying to match your story with something that they've gone through Mm -hmm. um just allowing them to be like yo that's like i see that i see you yeah um i don't know to me that's one of the things where i'm like it makes me feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. There and some of those things I do say to my kids. I think another one if I'm thinking about it is when someone will say my name and then one of those things like like Jasmine, you got this or like Jasmine. Mm. You know, it I feel like it's just very personal. Um, so when I hear that, I'm like I feel seen. I feel heard, basically. <laughs> feel heard, so so yeah. those special. I like that. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna like I'm gonna use that. Use it, use it, use it, use it. To, um, with everything with everyone. Yeah. So that has what has helped me, and I think I do feel like a warrior. You know, I think that we are warriors in those moments where we're in the car, or you know, and we're really roughing it out, and we're like, okay, let me bring myself back to center. You know, I'm gonna do my best to come back to center so that I can walk into this space and hold space for someone else. I think that's a warrior moment. So um, see it that way, but yes, one hundred percent. Well, like, I usually because I'm like, <laughs> that's cute. Out, <laughs> like preparing, preparing yourself. All of this. Yeah, yeah, honestly, I feel that way too. Or there, you know, you know how there are certain clients that drain. Yeah, everything. Yep. from you. Mm-hmm. And recently, I've had a client. To give you a little bit of background, our program is only supposed to last six months. Okay. I've had this client for almost two years. That's how severe they were. And I recently just closed her. And it was one of the biggest moments in my career because I was like, I've been with you for so long. And I know that doesn't sound long, for, but again, within the context of our program, when we are supposed to stabilize people that are like suicidal they're cutting they are engaging in risky behaviors all the time and our goal is literally to like get you to a point where you're no longer in that like constant danger and yes you might still struggle with passive suicidal thoughts or you might still struggle with depression that's okay we're gonna get you to someone that can actually be with you for two or three years or however long you need but to have this client be with us in our program for that long obviously they were going through a lot of crap but I recently closed her out and it was one of those things where I was like, every time I had a session with her, I felt so like mm. physically, I felt like my soul was just being sucked yeah, out yeah, yeah, every yeah. single time that I saw her that I literally had to put her at the end of my day mm-hmm. because I knew if I put her in the middle or at the beginning, 
the rest of my day was just going to be like, mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so. And sometimes I would cry after those sessions too, and be like, "How the hell am I supposed to see this client next mm-hmm. week?" Like, mm-hmm. it's was supposed to be six months. Now it's twelve months. Now it's a year and a half. Now we're. That's hard. That's yeah. a long time to provide intensive services. Yes, it was. That's a really long it time. It was. And I, I'm thankful that I had a team. I feel like also working within a team is has its pros and cons. Um, for me, it was. I felt so blessed because I felt like I wasn't going through that by myself. And thank God I didn't yeah, because yeah, yeah. there were things that you needed to be in CFTs or things mm-hmm. for other people to see. So I could be like, yo, mm-hmm. do you remember how this went? This is why this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, I've had a clients where I cry afterwards. I've yeah. had a lot of clients where I cry afterwards. Have you ever found yourself crying with a client? Uh, I have shed a tear with a client. Yeah. Mm. It wasn't like crying, crying, but it was like, mm. there were a couple tears. It was a discharge session. And mm-hmm. when you spend, and you already know, when you spend mm-hmm. so much time with someone, um, and I, Obviously, every client is different, but there were a couple adults when I was working for Riverside County, um, my justice-involved clients. I had spent like a year with with a lot of them, mm-hmm. and there were a few of them where there was just so much growth but so much hardship in the growth. And so it's like you experience these things with your clients, you know? You're that person. Sometimes you're one of the only people that, that they have. Mm-hmm. And so it was like to say goodbye to them some of them was really hard mm. have you not yet okay but i'm very scared of when that moment comes because i'm a crier and i'm scared that if one comes it's gonna be like <laughs> yeah it took a lot of it took a lot of a like restraint. internal restraint yeah i've i've felt coming but yeah. then i've i've been able to calm myself down i've never i haven't gotten there yet i know i will eventually mm-hmm. um but i i i've been terrified of it because i'm just like <laughs> yeah yeah there were there are two of them that i can think of and it was just one tear but it was there mm-hmm. and uh i'm sure people would say different things about crying in front of a client mm-hmm. the correct answer is that every client is different and use your clinical yes. judgment so. yes yes <laughs> um okay we're gonna wrap up for time okay. thank you so much for coming thank you on. for inviting me of this course is great Danny, hopefully we'll be back again. Yes, <laughs> Danny will be back. Danny will be back. Um, we can hit other topics. Yes, we could talk all day for a bunch mm-hmm. of different things. So I'm so happy that you came. You. Yes, Danny will be back, everyone. Don't worry. Um, Solely Human Guys releases every week on Fridays, and it's on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple, Apple Podcasts. So tune in, audio, visual, either or, or both. Uh, But as you go into your day or your weekend, your week, uh, please practice empathy with yourself the same way that you would practice empathy with someone that you love. Sometimes it's easier for us to give the people we love kindness, patience, empathy, uh, and then it's hard for us to give to ourselves. So give yourself grace this week. And uh, I always forget something. I thought about writing it down on a sticky note, <laughs> but it's so not cool. <laughs> it doesn't. It can be if you have it. True. I'm going to just like laminate the yeah, sticky laminate note. Yeah, <laughs> laminate the sticky note. They'll know. Oh, <laughs> like and subscribe the video. <laughs> yes, like and like subscribe, and subscribe the video, follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And that's it. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Bye.